This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's hour number three of BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Plenty to get to when it comes to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And to help us do just that is Ian Harditz of MB Fantasy Life. Please make sure to follow him on X at iHarditz. Ian, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. want to start with the Chiefs and the Bills because, once again, we have line movement at BetMGM. Bills are now two-and-a-half-point favorites. It was at three earlier this morning. So definitely a little volatility when it comes to this game. And Ian, one of the things that you mentioned uh, on X is just how prolific Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes have been when it comes to passing and rushing touchdowns, much more so than any other quarterbacks in the National Football League. So how important do you feel like those stats are when it comes to analyzing this game? And does it make an argument to go over the 45 and a half? I don't think it's a bad one because, again, by pretty much any stat we want to use, that just is measuring accumulated touchdowns here, not rocket science. We can see so clearly how these have been the two most prolific quarterbacks of the last half decade. So that one you're shouting out is over the last five years, guys. Josh Allen has 202 total passing and rushing touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes is at 170, and nobody else is over 151. So, yes, Chiefs fans, if we do go back next year, 2018, then Mahomes is out on top. But seriously, any way you cut it, it really has been these two quarterbacks and then everyone else. So actually been a pretty even series overall when we look at it, 3-3 between the teams and their six meetings over the years. Of course, we've only seen the Chiefs get the ones that really matter in the playoffs, though. So honestly, in terms of the over I'm looking at, I'm a little more inclined to take on the Patrick Mahomes pass attempts angle. The last line I saw, 36 and a half. He's actually cleared that in five of his six meetings against Josh Allen and the Bills. He averages over 37 in his career, regular season and playoffs, and and as we saw last week, even one of the coldest games in NFL history didn't stop the man from going over 40. Wow. What about the other game on Sunday? You got the Bucks, six and a half point dogs at the Lions. And I saw um, on X, you were talking about Amon Ra and just how good he's yeah. been in five consecutive games. Any matchups you like in this one? Yeah, the only NFL player right now with at least five games with over 100 yards from scrimmage. Sun gods state, sun gods. But yeah, I'm just hoping that we see a bit more of a shootout than we got the first time around there. I mean, 20 to 6 between these two teams with legit good passing offenses and also bad passing defenses was disappointing. But I actually took some time this week, went back and looked at some of the bigger plays from that matchup. And guys, Baker Mayfield has been really good this year. You know, not an all pro, but by most, you know, stats, a top 20, top 15 quarterback. 
that was maybe the worst game he played all year. We're talking about a potential 92-yard touchdown to Mike Evans, tipped at the line, then intercepted, and then missed touchdowns to Goblin and Trey Palmer, another deep ball miss to Trey Palmer. So on the one hand, I thought we could maybe look at that and say Aiden Hutchison and company had done, you know, just something different to help slow down Baker in the Bucks. Not really. I think it was more of a, you know, just self-defeating game plan there by the Buccaneers. So if you want to talk about taking a game over, I do think it will be this one. You mentioned Amonra. I think, you know, near even odds for his anytime touchdown makes sense. And otherwise, I think I would just, you know, be willing to go with Baker over his 253 and a half yard passing prop. It is a number that we have seen quarterbacks clear in four straight weeks against this Lions defense. And let's face it, like, okay, Matthew Stafford, the no looks, that was fantastic. Dak Prescott usually doing his things. But Nick Mullins was out here clearing 400 yards with ease against this defense. I think Baker, even if it's good being a losing effort, can't have a passing total starting with a three, let alone clearing that 253 mark. So when I'm looking at that game, I see plus 220 on the money line for the Buccaneers. Would you be willing to sprinkle a little bit there? I don't hate it. It just comes down to can we see this, you know, can the Lions defense look as bad as the Eagles defense look last week? So I don't exactly <laughs> think that's the way it's going to go. I mean, it's seven points, maybe a little high. That's fair. So I don't think I'm going to be sprinkling on the money line, although it is wild to see a team that just, you know, got their first playoff win in freaking 30, 40 years or whatever it was, all of a sudden being a touchdown favorite in their next game. So I've been all about, you know, Buccaneers country, let's bake, you know, comeback player of the year if you want to give them that really fun time. But I do think the clock probably strikes midnight on the uh, Baker Mayfield Cinderella story you mentioned the 92 yard touchdown that mike evans could have had in that previous matchup and you think if baker can go over his passing prop are you interested in anything mike evans wise here yeah, you know, just by virtue of Mike Evans obviously being their number one receiver all season long, I think that makes sense. I mean, I don't think we all necessarily doubted Evans' ability to keep on keeping on without, you know, Tom Brady, but putting up his best numbers of his career, I mean, my dogs just can't even get over the opportunities that we have right here, right now. So I'm with you, Mike Evans, and honestly, Chris Goblin coming on as well. So if you are going to go with it, I think they make sense. Maybe sprinkling a little Rashad White over three and a half. I don't see why not. No, that makes sense. I like it. How about we move on now to the Texans and the Ravens? Right now, Baltimore, nine and a half point favorites with a total of 43 and a half at BetMGM. What's fascinating to me about the Ravens is that the prop market is frightening in some ways because you don't always know who the running back is going to be who breaks free. You don't always know who wide receiver number one is supposed to be for that particular week. And so some of the numbers, you know, certainly reflect a little bit of conservatism. We do know Lamar Jackson will probably play at least okay, serviceable, but like do these numbers and how the Ravens play offense, like does it scare you a little bit buying into this market? A little bit because I did go ahead and look and see like how much different actually is this version of the Baltimore Ravens offense compared to their previous ones and 2019 and even the 2020 team like we're still not seeing the 2023 Ravens come close to them just from a pure EPA per play and even EPA per pass standpoint there so still a very good offense but I think their you know relative dominance this year is more so a factor of the entire league generally being down on offense so still a very good group but it was surprising to me to go back and 
and yes, very different football being played in January versus September. I get it. But other than the week 18 game where they rested their starters, I mean, the Texans actually held the Ravens to a season low 268 total yards of offense back then. So I do wonder, you know, no Keaton Mitchell, we're bringing in Dalvin Cook here. Like the life source of this Ravens offense for years has always been the ability to, you know, at least establish the run to some extent. And as much as we love to say running backs don't matter, man, when you're down to your fourth or fifth one, I start to wonder how much you can really stress that. So I think it's going to more so come down to can Stroud and company really solve this riddle of the Ravens defense? Because while they don't blitz very much, they do simulated pressures more than just about anyone, which ends up causing a bunch of pressure. But they have eight plus defenders in the box at the single lowest rate in the NFL. So they pretty much invite opposing offenses to stick with the run if they want to. But as we know, in 2024 now, that seldom happens. So we were talking about some game totals going over earlier. If there is an under I want to bet, I do think it's in this one with all due respect to obviously two incredible quarterbacks and Lamar and CJ Stroud. All right. So would you be looking at unders on the Texan side in terms of like player props as well? Um, the one over I will consider would be Devin Singletary. I mean, we have seen this dude absolutely take off recently. I think the stat on the broadcast last week was like since week nine, he's been the NFL's third leading rusher. And the opportunity originally came when Damian Pierce got hurt, but he's been healthy and Singletary has just relegated him back to the bench. So one of only seven running backs now with at least 900 total yards in at least five years. Like, I know 900 yards. We're not freaking out about it, but he's been consistent. <laughs> he was good on the bills and now he's the lead back in a Texas offense that continues to do big things so even if we're not going to be going crazy with the yardage afforded I do think when we look at you know maybe his rush attempt line there could be something there but I did see over on a DraftKings Sportsbook his alternate rushing line 70 plus yards at plus 165 something like that you know makes sense to me because again I do wonder if Bobby Slowick and this Texans offense who let's face it as great as CJ Stroud is you know you look at his box score you're not seeing many games with these 40 plus pass attempts they have remained a very balanced offense and with Devin Singletary being really their lone feature back right now. If there is one weakness in this Ravens defense, just like in San Francisco and Dallas and all the other good defenses and, you know, our time right now in the modern NFL, they usually are much better against the pass than the run. So I do think Singletary, if anyone on Houston is going to hit some overs, it would be him. He's Ian Harditz of MB Fantasy Life here on BetQL Daily. Let's get to the fourth game. The Packers and the 49ers, San Francisco, nine and a half point favorites with a total of 50 and a half. What do you like here? Man, I just think Jordan Love and company keep this moving. I understand it's maybe too early to crown the guys. The next Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, he's only started, what, 20 games at this point or whatever. But my God, guys, second half of the season, like pick a stat, any stat. You know, I know PFF grades are getting J.J. Watt and everyone freaked out recently. But EPA, you know, CPOE, traditional passer rating, like you are seeing Jordan Love as a top five quarterback over the last two months of action. So as we saw against the Cowboys, you know, the arm talent just to really stress every square inch of the field, but also that underrated mobility. I mean, only Kyler Murray has actually averaged more yards per scramble than Jordan Love this season. So I do wonder, you know, how much he is going to be able to run away from Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and some of those guys out there. But I do think what we've seen from this Packers offense is finally that perfect marriage of Love being able to create off script and then Matt LaFleur doing what he's been doing for years which has killed defenses with his scheme so looking at this one again it took me like a half hour to try to find any weakness in this 49ers defense but the one thing i found is they go from like a top five pasty to much more of an average unit when the quarterbacks get the ball out in under two and a half seconds 
makes sense. You know, what's the easiest way to not have Nick Bosa kill your quarterback? Yeah, probably get the ball out of your hands quickly. And if you look at it, not even looking at the second half of the year, the entire season, only two Tiger Bailoa and Jared Goff are more efficient than Jordan Love getting the ball out of their hands that quickly. So not so sure the Packers can pull the full upset here, but I do think, you know, nine, 10 points, whatever the line is resting at now, a bit too high. I will be back in the underdog Packers against the spread. And not only does he get the ball out quickly, but he hardly throws interceptions too. You would think if he was making quick decisions like that, you would see some more interceptions and we don't. Um, Any other, you know, prop or matchup that we didn't talk about that you like this weekend? Yeah, just with this game, I would say Brandon Ayuka is someone that I think we could look at that 87 and a half, you know, alternate line plus 210 odds, not too shabby, because as much as the Packers did do a good job, you know, slowing down Dak Prescott and company. I mean, we zoom out a little bit. It was over 500 total yards and they wound up getting the 32 points. I know a lot of garbage time going into that. But hey, with Ayuk this season, I mean, he just put up the most receiving yards ever from a receiver with fewer than 110 targets. So the efficiency is truly out of this world and when we look at a Packers defense that's been running cover three at a top five rate all season long I have typically has been their guy to just go ahead and put their outside cornerbacks in an absolute blender for an extended period of time so we'll see how Jair Alexander's ankle ends up healing if he's able to be out there for Sunday but even the league's best cornerbacks haven't been able to slow down Ayuk much this year so I know it's scary with these 49ers players because they have so many weapons all over the field it could just be a manner of them not overly needing him but I think again Based on this specific matchup, Ayuk is going to be the guy we want in the passing game this week. And since you did bring it up, figure I'll ask about <laughs> PFF grades, because certainly there are high-profile former NFL players coming out and saying that PFF grades are hogwash. They're balderdash. What say you? How do we set the record straight when it comes to letting everybody know what PFF grades really are and why they are reliable? They're, they're not scripture. Uh, but they are reliable when it comes to something that we can use to evaluate talent. And that's the point. Like we can't be holding PFF grades to this perfect standard when we don't do that with any other statistic out there. Like, do we want to say yards per attempt, which has Jimmy Garoppolo number one all time? Is that now the end all be all stat? Like we just went over this with Brock Purdy and why passer rating maybe wasn't the best thing to be judging quarterbacks on for the last few months before it. So it's a piece of the puzzle. And I appreciate the attempt to help add some actual analytics and context to what we're all seeing on the screen. So I think just PFF grades, like any advanced stat, Guess what? If they're not telling us what our eyes are telling us as we watch the football games, then maybe it's not doing a good enough job. But I appreciate the effort. And I do think a lot of the critiques about the grades, you know, are coming from people that probably, you know, haven't taken the time to actually learn everything about it. So I know the common critique is like, we don't, how can we possibly know what a player's responsibility is on any given play? And I get it, but it also doesn't exactly take, you know, Joshua Dobbs or a rocket scientist to tell, hey, when a quarterback hits a defender in the chest and they drop the interception, maybe that can be you know weighted a little more negatively than just your ho-hum incompletion a drop pass down the field that could have been a touchdown doesn't go in the pff grade as an incomplete pass it's a positive for the quarterback because they did their job so i know again it's weird looking at cj stroud's grade and you know seeing him so far below jordan love and those other guys not necessarily even trying to defend that specific instance but they're trying and you know what if they can get to a point where every single player and every single week is a perfect grade equivalent to the coaches 
man, like that's going to be awesome. Certainly not there right now, but I appreciate them trying and they're doing a heck of a lot better job than any other place out there trying to assign one number to an entire performance, which let's face it, is a pretty ridiculous uh, attempt of a, of a thing to do in the first place. It is. Um, it, it is funny that he came out and said that, though. I kind of find it refreshing. Uh, quickly, we have less than a minute left. Uh, who do you have in the Super Bowl, or is it just going to be Ravens Niners? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry to be lame, but I'm going to have to go go with the chalk. Ravens Niners. <laughs> I do think the I do think the 49ers can make things more interesting. Again, it's weird to be like take away the five interceptions and they were moving the ball just fine. But we did see San Fran have more success than most teams going up and down the field against that Baltimore D. Really was a rough game for Brock Purdy and company. But I do think they keep it close. But come on, the guy got the MVP. I know 2019, that didn't mean anything. But La MVP, Lamar Jackson and Baltimore, I think they take it home this year. Good stuff. Ian Hart, it's of MB Fantasy Life. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, what strategy shall we employ for those still standing in NFL playoff survivor pools? That's coming up on the BetQL Network. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Still to come, we have our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight and the weekend, perhaps. But now let's get into NFL postseason survivor. And last weekend uh, may have been absolutely devastating, given the Cowboys' loss to the Packers. And maybe to an extent, the Rams may have been a trendy pick as well, going up against the Detroit Lions, but the Rams lost as well. So certainly there was some carnage in many postseason survivor pools. But uh, Paul Aspen, as we bring you in here to talk about uh, what to expect for this upcoming weekend, we do have three games where the spread is six and a half or larger. One game where we are expecting something close. Uh, But what do uh, the numbers suggest as far as uh, how pools have done so far? So the pool I'm in, spoiler, I'm out because I was dumb enough to take the Eagles. But the process was not taking the Chiefs, which were going to be popular, ended up being the most popular pick of the <clears throat> pool. And then Cowboys, who I did not trust. Uh, a couple, Only a couple people took them. I thought I was in good shape avoiding them. Joe was on the Browns. One other person was on the Eagles with me. One other person was on the Dolphins. We have one, two, three, four, seven people left. So a smaller pool, but seven people left. Wow. Six of them used the Chiefs last week. So mm. honestly, if like Joe or I got through, we would have been in great shape. Like if you just got through that first round with like, you could have, honestly, it's easy to say now, but if like the Eagles collapse, we saw happening before our eyes, it wasn't the Rams as the, as the underdog. That should have been the survivor pick, but the Bucks could have definitely been one. Um, again, but that was, I mean, them or the Texans as home dogs. But we have six people left who took the Chiefs. The only other person took the Bills. So it's very interesting. Like, that game's off the board for these purposes. Mm-hmm. But even if you're one of the Chiefs people, you have an opportunity now to be contrarian. And it's just, where do you go? Because... The Niners, you want to have, at least I would want to have them in my back pocket for the conference title game and or the Super Bowl. Because uh-huh. if you can't make a pick for the Super Bowl, you're out. Um, yeah. I personally, like I would, I mean, these two, honestly, oh, I'm so mad because I think the winner of this Chiefs-Bills game 
is probably the pick for me that I would want to keep for the Super Bowl, or at least from the AFC side. And now everyone's kind of going to be forced into the Ravens next week, probably, or find a way around that. So as far as this weekend goes, do you take one of the bigger favorites when they're, you know, the numbers are telling you they're going to be in the conference title game. You probably want to save the Niners and the Ravens for next week. If one's the conference title game, one's the Super Bowl. Um, so everyone's kind of in a tough spot. I guess you could take the Lions. I the Lions. Say the I think Lions it's the pick. <laughs> the Lions the stuff. stuff. I wish I'd taken the Lions last Joe going to come back but... for that? <laughs> yeah. Is Otherwise, Joe out too? Yeah, Joe took the Brown. So, yeah, again, Chiefs, Bills is off the board. You got the two big spread games. So, honestly, maybe everyone's going to take the Lions. And yeah. I think we've talked about all week, the Bucks are the most mm-hmm. likely dog to win. So, mm-hmm. do That's you scary. just take, take the, Bucks. the Ravens? Or, yeah. I mean, you could you could go complete opposite and just take the Bucks. yeah. Right. Like, I think you have to focus on that game uh, and nowhere else just because the 49ers have a very easy path to get all the way to the Super Bowl. The Ravens, I think, is a good bit tougher, and certainly the odds reflect that if you look at a Super Bowl championship, conference uh, championship, all of that stuff. So maybe there is an argument to be had for at least taking a flyer on the Ravens if you have to get creative. Uh, But again, you're running that risk of if both of your Super Bowl teams uh, have been chosen and then they get there to the end, you are automatically out. Yeah. So there is that risk there. But yeah, I mean, this doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of wiggle room as far as what your options are. It's who you think will win between the Lions and the Buccaneers, knowing full well they're going to lose to the 49ers in all likelihood. Uh, if Green mm-hmm. Bay pulls off some monumental upset, which, you know, at nine and a half, like it's hard to fathom, but I suppose it can happen, uh, you know, then everything's out of whack at that point. But still, though it only feels like one game is going to get everyone's attention. And I know it's hard to find game theory in that regard, but still, I, I, I don't, I, I can't get too creative here. You can, I, I agree. That's the only game you can focus on, right? Because then you're just mm-hmm. shooting yourself in the foot. So you either got to take a real, real big risk with the bucks, or if you <laughs> feel that strongly that the lines will just win, then there mm-hmm. you go. If you're the, one of these six people that took the Chiefs, do you take the Bills this week? And then you're just banking on the Ravens in the conference championship. You kind of go all AFC, and then you're left holding whatever NFC team in the Super Bowl. I suppose, but that's such a coin flip in that game. Yeah. Like, if, if say, you exactly. have both options available – then it, I mean, it, it is just such, you know, an up in the air kind of idea. And on top of that, like either team could very well make a push to the end. Like I consider right. the Ravens to be more vulnerable one seed market certainly agrees with that notion. So if you want to do your coin flip and take your, like, I think if, if there's one thing that I do respect, uh, you know, Paul with you and Joe and, and the picks that you made, it's that you're probably putting all of your variance on the front end as opposed yeah. to say yeah. waiting for the ultimate time when you do have to deal with that coin flip, maybe you just bite the bullet and you take your coin flip now because it does feel like when it comes to these postseason survivor pools, at some point you have a 50-50 proposition, whether you like it or not. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That's kind of how the playoff survivor pool seems. Like, it's more front-end stress. Um, And Mm -hmm. for me, personally... I don't think I could handle the stress of having my survivor pick on that Chiefs Bills game. Like, I will be pulling my hair out most likely. Whereas the Bucks Lions, like, either way, it's a fun story, right? But like that uh-huh. Chiefs Bills, like, you are stressed out. I, I, I think I'd be in a bad mood. You're waiting the whole weekend too. Like it's the last game of the weekend, yeah. and you're just like, it all comes down to this. Yeah, I had, uh, I had my whole path no. laid out. And it went nowhere, unfortunately. So <sighs> I've not had much success in the postseason Survivor League. It's it's a little bit tougher. Uh, but again, because you got to take those. I think personally, you've got to take those chances early if you want to try mm-hmm. and be standing at the end. Like you can get through a round or two, mm-hmm. cool. But like that does nothing for you either. So what's the right. payout? Uh, yeah, it was like a hundred a pop. So it's okay. You know, 15 okay. something it's, like it that. seems nice fun little, just because it's so volatile yeah, yeah exactly right. yeah he's got the he's green money right now yeah, for guadalajara <laughs> put it into the hamlin fund you know we'll see <laughs> <laughs> One way oh yeah that thing it, yeah. it is funny when I was watching the the Bill Steelers game, there there was that shot of Demar Hamlin kind of around the play. Like I, I can't remember what the what the play was exactly, but Hamlin was definitely there, and the replay had him like really front and center and focused. And I'm just like, come on, comeback player of the year, let's go. I know the votes have already I mean, been tallied, but let's let's use some positive karma here. Damn, what I do I to my you, own person. <laughs> That's all right, Jake. It's fine. You'll be fine. I just, I've had my own personal number three. Yeah. My own personal number three cam for every game Mm -hmm. he has played for the bills. I'm just looking for number three out there on the field. Like when he made that tackle in the one game, I was like, all right. But yeah, you just kind of always see him like running into the screen, like at the end of the play after it's already over. It's like, Hey, yeah, that's it's it's like that old meme. Like, Pat Bev fool y'all. He just be running around. It's like Demar Hamlin's fooling y'all guys. He's just running around. <laughs> He's just running around. Right. Mike Tirico told me he was the most important player on the special teams group when he was in that game with like two weeks to go. Have heard so that. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Yep. What does Tirico feel about <sighs> PFF grades? Like, can he say that with Chris Collinsworth right next to him? Is that possible? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, one of the like owners of it is a former player who played wide receiver yeah. at a very high level. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd like, I would have liked to see, I would love to hear Chris clap back a little bit, like in his own True. kind of way this week. Like, oh, I know, right. like some people are blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm here for a little, a little snark on Sunday night. If we get it. 
be all for that. Mm. That would be nice. I did appreciate uh, Ian's response. Uh, we had Ian Arditz on, who used to work at PFF uh, in the last segment. I did appreciate his segment. And I wonder, too, when it comes to, like, besmirching analytics in general or PFF grades or whatever dimension you're looking at. To me, it's always consider the source. Like, the platform J.J. Watt was on when he was talking about this, I go, no, this is this is a, an old school, you know, conventional platform. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Nobody's going to say anything insightful, whatever. But if somebody who I do trust does have holes they can poke through when it comes to the arguments for PFF grades, probably likelier to listen to those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that whole conversation is like, is like yeah. former player makes like a... You know, oh, if you didn't play the game, comment, and all the former players mm-hmm. pile on, and all their groupies pile on, and it's like, okay, right. cool. There's no like substance to this. It's just like it's a lunchroom. So mm-hmm. great. I mean, it's obviously working as a product, but like, if you're looking for a nuanced discussion, that's not where you're getting it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, especially. Now. But <laughs> no, I would say I think another thing that was interesting. It's it's more off the boardy, but mm-hmm. Nick Bosa throwing a little shade at the Cowboys and the Eagles. Um, and why they lost and how he was not surprised by it, Jay, if we have Jake, Jake, we're, we're eliminating Who's letters Jay? from names, Jake, if we, <laughs> Jake, if we have if that you asked me earlier in the oh. year, yeah. Um, but F, as you see the season go on and, um, in the playoffs, stopping the run and running the ball, uh, is how you win. And those two teams didn't do it very good. So they're out. Hmm. Thanks, Nick. Now, right. like, what what did Ian say? You can run the ball in the 49ers. If Aaron Jones runs for, like, 200 yards, well, okay, 125 yards on that Niners defense and the Packers win, that would be poetic justice. I don't see that necessarily mm-hmm. happening. But it is it is interesting. I noticed that, too, like, as I was talking about, you know, all season, Chiefs' run defense is terrible. Bills' run defense has been bad for a long time. The Eagles' run defense, like Brad Spielberger, every week would talk about the Cowboys' run defense. But, like, all these, not just playoff teams, but, like, top seeds and the lack of run defense or the soft run defense. I just wonder as we move forward, like, maybe in the playoffs or maybe more towards next year, how we can take advantage of that. Because we've played running mm-hmm. rushing props against, like, the Chiefs and the Bills, but I just wonder if there's more of an opportunity there. Hmm. What do you think, Aaron? It also it just also makes me think how are we like overlooking the Texans and that they do it well defending the run and mm-hmm. as a big dog like maybe that will be an advantage when so many other teams don't do it well against the team that's, be... that's such a big part of their yeah. identity too. Yeah, right. but go ahead. Ed. Yeah, it certainly is. And the one concern that I like, if you're betting on a side for Texans Ravens, the one concern I have is, okay, Texans run defense is really, really stout. So either the Ravens are going to look at that matchup in a simple way and say, all right, we're just going to pass more fine. Or if they have exotic looks that this Texas run Texans run defense won't be prepared for. I wonder if that means, okay, we've figured out the code. We've cracked the code when it comes to this Texans group. So we are going to run a good bit more. We are going to be successful doing it. And maybe great game script says as much, but still though, nine and a half is a rather big number. If things are going to stay on the ground a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with a quarterback who can sling it, 
I already bet mm-hmm. Texans nine and a half, so I will not be backing down from my young guns <laughs> here. <laughs> D'Amico is one and oh in revenge spots in the playoffs. Just putting that trend out there. Another oh, wow. trend of truth. Big, one and oh. Big sample size, too. I like that. Yeah, right. No kidding. We can get a trend of uh, one data point. Why not? We, we're, we break rules here all the time. It's no big deal. Certainly, that makes sense. Low, t- uh, low total yeah, in this game. Any any angle there at 43 and a half? Like, it's, it's obviously under the key number of 44, but like, is there. I don't know if I'd bet it here, but if we're saying like the Ravens are going to test that run defense and like if Lamar is a little off, we know the numbers there and, you know, coming off like with a little bit of rust and the Texans, you know, we've talked about the Ravens defense all week. They're one of our top power ranked units. Is there, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, Aaron, you brought up what the first half under first earlier half in the show. Under. And Ed, yeah, I like wasn't, that. Weren't as bored. I think Ed and I yeah, so. disagree, but Opposite if, if I had to bet yeah. it, that would be my favorite as a first half under. Um, but my favorite bet is Texans plus nine and a half. Wow. Weather By the way, interesting. yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, Bill Belichick was minus 110 to go to the Falcons within this past hour, within the last 30 minutes. He is now minus 300 to go to the Atlanta Falcons. So it's happening. I know that. Because I had it in my bet slip, and now it's minus 300, and it is no longer in my bet slip. Oh, that's wow. a shame. That's too bad. Just yeah. use that tomorrow. Morning. What are you talking about? Yeah, right. Oh, that's true. Spend it yeah, like you got be- it. Exactly. This is Vacuel Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight, coming up on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to Becky All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We will get to our lightning bets in just a bit. But first, we are still on coaching watch, so to speak. What will the Philadelphia Eagles do? And I think one of the things that we have been pointing to for a little while now is the fact that there was a change made as far as defensive play caller for the Eagles, and everything went to smithereens after that. One of the reasons why Nick Sirianni uh, may not last long there. So still uh, no official word yet, but Darius Slay did come out with an interesting quote pertaining to the defensive coordinator change going to Matt Patricia. Slay said that the transition did make things difficult on the players. Quote, I've never been part of that, a whole new coordinator coming in. Uh, That's tough, but I don't control that kind of stuff. I just try to do my job the best I can, trying to find two identities. It's tough. It's like having two marriages. You know how hard two marriages would probably be in a household? Two personalities of two women? That's tough. No offense to the women. That's crazy talk. One might want her feet rubbed. One might want her shoulder rubbed. That's crazy. Does this make sense, I guess? (laughs) I can't. (laughs) Slay Sounds like a personal problem. Like, that's all right. right. (laughs) Oh, man. Like I, I would, I wish I would have been there for like the look on his face as soon as he says that and starts like walking it back, like with the yeah right and shoulder roll. I'm like, and... so you, you're not a big oh, threesome yeah. guy, is that? Oh boy, <laughs> oh jeez. So you're out. You're out. All right, we're gonna have to clip that one for the bonk reel. 
<laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Out of context. Right. Oh. Do, do we do we have enough uh, memory for that bonker reel? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I think I yeah, take Jake. What's the? the... <laughs> It's like, how much storage do we have on that? <laughs> kind of a funny story. <laughs> Somewhat related. Um, so uh, I had a professor oh, in no. college. <laughs> yeah. Right. I thought uh -oh. this was about to be a me story, and I got real scared for a second. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> no, no. Uh, who was like, I don't know, he started like, it was like Friday at, you know, 2 o'clock, class is winding down. He's like 70. Cool dude. Like, was like no punches pulled. Like, if he heard you ask that question at the Tampa Bay press conference, he would get an F and he would let you hear it. He made multiple people cry, but good dude. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, as class is wrapping up, he's like, what's anyone doing this weekend? Like, anyone going on a date? And he just stops himself. He's like, you guys, and this is back in, like, 2005, 2006. He's like, you guys don't even go on dates anymore. It's just, like, call each other up. Hey, you want to have a threesome? <laughs> and the class <laughs> lost it. <laughs> oh, he was the best. I think he's still alive. I don't wow. know. Wow. <laughs> And I That's thought cool. what I said yeah. was a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I think he would have appreciated Professors the tone too. of our show. Yeah. Right. In enjoys the subtleties for sure. Okay, lightning bets time. Got three for you guys. Uh, let's start with the Bulls and Raptors. I'm going over 227 and a half, kind of running it back uh, to some advice that Rick Camp gave. Didn't cash yesterday, but the Raptors are in the second of a back-to-back and I do believe when it comes to how to analyze these basketball teams when they're playing that second game, sometimes it's the defense. That's where the problem exists. It's not so much offensively do things taper off, but defensively in terms of, you know, maintaining that physicality, maintaining the fitness, all of that stuff. Maybe that's where things start to wear down. So I expect the Bulls to have a good offensive performance. So this game can go the over 227 and a half. On the ice, Canadian Senators uh, from Mike Kelly on Twitter. The Ottawa Senators had a coaching change about a month ago, and the defense has been atrocious, going from expected goals against eighth in the NHL at 2.77 all the way down to 30th in the league. So I'm expecting a lot of goals scored by Montreal. Maybe they just cover the number themselves, but I'm going to go over the six and a half goals. And finally, something we talked about during Let's Be Sharper, when Aaron and I brainstormed this, we put our minds together and we came up with zay flowers over four and a half receptions you can get that at plus money at bet mgm love that look i love it too i will tail that um and in that same game in case well both could be possible but in case one uh doesn't hit with zay i will be on the texans plus nine and a half i finally placed the bet this morning I think that it's just a big number, and there is a lot of unknowns with this Texans team. They're young. They haven't been here before, but I like that for them. Like, ignorance is bliss. You know, they they this is already, like, exceeding expectations. So I think the way C.J. Stroud just looks like he's got so much swag, nothing seems to bother him, that he's not going to be intimidated by this. They've already played before. So I think they can cover this number. So I'm going uh, Texans plus nine and a half. Paul. All right. And D'Amico, 1-0 in revenge spots in the playoffs, Yes, obviously. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah Got to give Aaron a little bit of love. Uh, again, a shout-out on Instagram yesterday about her, CJ Stroud and Jordan Love over Stifler Maine, which, by the way, great handle. 
I, don't, I mean, just incredible. Uh, but he said uh, when Aaron was talking about C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love overs yesterday, he said put both of these overs on my ticket. Uh, passing overs, that is. It's been less than 24 hours. The books are already raising the yardage. So books listen. Aww. Who said that before? The books listen to BetQL daily. Uh, so some mm-hmm. IG love at BetQL app on Instagram. I've got one lightning bets i'm just ready to sweat some golf this is gonna go really well oh that's what i was gonna say earlier i figured out kyle shanahan kyle shanahan oh no oh what a cliffhanger what a tease unbelievable wow was that scripted (laughs) i got i got matt pisani on the payroll he's he's pause button so wait (laughs) where did i leave off Kyle I figured out Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Kyle Shanahan is the Paul Aspen of the NFL. Gets there, never gets it done. Like close, but just never gets it done. And I was—I say that to say I can't wait to watch some golf that is not going to go my way in, in heartbreaking fashion at the end. So I have no faith in Kyle Shanahan getting it done this time again because it never does. But I will play one of his players for playoff receiving leader. We talked about this. I'll have to go back and check that out uh, for playoff leaders and props. But Brandon Ayuk, 10-1 to 1 to lead the playoffs in, in receiving yards. I think uh, especially if Jair Alexander is out this week, he could just light it up. I think he's the offense is going to run through him. Uh, so Ayuk at 10-1. to 1. Love the value you're getting with him not having played a game yet uh, to lead the playoffs in receiving yards. Nice. Love I really it. like that one. That one I marked down uh, last night for sure. I think that makes a ton of sense. Jake, you have yet another college baseball plus money banger that you would like to share with us. You gave us Indiana earlier in the week. Despite not knowing who's going to be pitching, you still feel like that Indiana could win it all. So who do you have? This <laughs> Details. Yeah, that's semantics, you know, and we don't come here for that. Uh, no, this one's a little bit more digestible. Uh, 80 to 1, UC Santa Barbara, their team that's built on opposite to Indiana. They're built on their pitching. They have a very strong rotation. They were top 20 in ERA and hits allowed per nine last year. They're top 30 in whip. They're a young team in the rotation. I think they're going to be very good as well. And they have some guys who could really break out as hitters as well. They're already ranked 17th in the poll. I really like the opportunity here. I think 80 to one is way too long for a team that was winning the big West very consistently just a couple of years ago. They didn't win it last year. They had kind of a down year, but I I think with the strength of their pitching, it showed a lot. There's a lot of potential here. So I'm willing to take a shot at 80 to one with UC Santa Barbara. I like that. Gauchos? No, I think. Gauchos. That's right. Gauchos. Quinn, Quinn, my brother, used to coach there before he went to All right, let's go. Now he's at Wazoo. Yeah. Here we go. I would have stayed at Santa Barbara for my personal life, but hey. Well, career Yeah, how's Virginia, Hawk? (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait to get out. Right, I'll, compared I'll with Santa Barbara. <laughs> By the way, did you guys know that all the University of California schools have blue and yellow as their colors? Like, there might be different Good shades, call. but blue and yellow the University of California Berkeley, schools. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, yeah, Frank, uh, Long Beach. Oh, yeah, the University of California. There you go. Exactly. UCLA, Cal, those. Yeah. Yeah. Rank the UCs. Rank them? 
Oh boy. Yeah, rank. I guess Cal would be no strong number one us. academically, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I just like, where would you? Okay, place you would want to go. Like Santa Barbara, oh Berkeley. Yeah. Mm, Santa Barbara might make climate, the most sense. Climate and environment yeah. more so. Like academics, obviously, are, are great, but. I'm right. I feel like Santa Barbara could get boring, but it's so beautiful and you're close to so many other things to change it up, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I asked uh, students at Pepperdine some time ago, it's like, what do you guys do for fun? Like, if you're not surfing or doing something Surf. during the day. And, and, well, like at night, like, they tend to go elsewhere. Like, either they go to, like, you know, frat houses or they drive across the canyon to Calabasas or something like that. Like, Malibu itself doesn't have much of a nightlife but during the day you can't beat it because you're right on the ocean it's gorgeous mm -hmm. so should have gone to a west coast yeah frat houses yeah, so right. very college should have yeah, gone to a west coast I know. school yeah i know it's, looking around it's so good by the way jake i did want to ask you about college baseball like you know i know like Please last do. year it just felt like an inevitability that lsu was going to win this thing as much as we wanted to believe in florida or somebody else I'm wondering if Arkansas is going to be that team this year. And they're already ballyhooed as much, but I do wonder just because Arkansas is not like of the same ilk as LSU, if that opens the door for someone else, because in terms of talent alone, I feel like the hogs have it, right? They definitely do. And Arkansas is a team for like three years that I feel like we've been just waiting for them to break through and just mm -hmm. do this thing. And every single year they fall flat. I feel like that is definitely something I'm going to be watching. I feel like I something I learned from last year is with LSU, they had that midseason lull where they fell off and everyone's like, they're cooked, they're done. And we all forgot about them. And they just went and won the thing. That's something I'm going to be watching with Arkansas this year. Like if they hit a rough patch, I'm going to be jumping on them because they just have that much talent where it's like, that's going to win out as long as they get in and they're going to get in. And I'm going to do that with LSU too, because they reloaded as well. They're going to be a really good team again too. Yeah, I like both. Who has more futures by March 1st? Jake College, college Baseball or me, College Hoops? You, College Hoops, more time. Yeah, you have a, you have a good lead already. Exactly. Huh. Thanks for watching and listening to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. For those listening, Jim Rome is next. For those watching on Twitch, stay tuned for The Daily Tip. Take care, everybody. You've been listening.